and welcome to None of My Business. I'm Michael Jackett. This is a business podcast, but mainly it's about people and their business. It's driven by my own curiosity and passion for learning from every conversation. Radek Sally, welcome to the podcast. Great to be here. Mate, um, thank you. appreciate the time uh, you're giving to jump on this. Um, this is just a bit of a you know, a general dive into, um, you know, who you are generally and what you do and what you bring to the businesses that you've been involved with over your career. Um, I'm obviously fascinated about the experience that you had at Swiss and um, how that set you up for what you did after, you know, after that up to this point and around Light Warrior and and the investment business and, and that sort of thing. There's obviously, I'm sure I could talk to you for a few hours, but we'll, uh, we'll contain it to a, you know, to a, <laughs> a nice tight session. But um, just j- talking a bit generally about you and, and what you bring to these businesses, um, what, sort of, what sort of learning are you actively trying to do, you know, outside of work? What's, you know, do you have a book genre that you really lean towards that you try and digest, you know, on a daily basis or, or frequently? Uh, I, I strive to do as much personal learning as possible and, and that comes in many shapes and forms. So it's not only stimulating the intellect, which we do a lot of that, um, it's been stimulating your intuition and I like to lead a lot with my intuition, my gut. Mm. And so it's about connecting with that. So I feel like activities like going to the gym, which I do six times a week or uh, practicing yoga, which I do three times a week or meditating at least once a day for 20 minutes mm. are all essential parts of being in tune with who I am and, and just getting that rhythm of mindset, right? Because our mind is the most powerful tool that we have. And I don't know if we spend enough time thinking about how we stimulate that. And, and so, and, and I know that our work is a lot of intellectual stimulation um so i just go back to that intuition and the balance of so when it comes to books i mean the 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 last book i wrote i read was a book called the golden sequence which was uh, a book that my uh, meditation coach wrote wrote and it's a fantastic book in giving you a set of tools in in dealing with uh, stress and and situations Mm. that throw you off your game talking about meditation coaches um i i started doing the sam harris you know waking up app you know probably Oh, it must have been a couple of months ago now. I must admit it has been difficult to religiously hold that every day, but I've tried to do it every morning. Um, part of my practice was um, waking up, trying to wake up at five o'clock and, and have a, a morning routine. And I was doing that for a you know, good, I reckon, couple of months. And then it's sort of the five, 5 a.m. things started to slide a bit. And we're now probably talking about 6 a.m. But um, that all came from, I don't know if you've heard of the book, The 5am Club, but it's um, a book written by a guy called Robin Sharma. And anyway, it really fascinating. It really inspired me to, to own that morning routine. Um, what is, and, and as I said, so Sam Harris has sort of been my guide um, in that sort of meditation practice for that time. But what, is, what does a meditation coach look, look like? What, what do they help you with? Or, you know, what does that look like to, to help you with? I think that you need to find someone that resonates with you. So you're Mm. saying Sam's someone that you connect with and, and we've all got different things that kind of work for us. We're all unique. And, and this is the thing that you should really look forward to meditation. Mm. It shouldn't be something that feels like it's a chore. I cannot wait to go and spend that 20 minutes of bliss, um, just powering down and 
reconnecting with myself. Mm. Um, but for years, you know, I, I didn't find that. And I've, I've met so many people that, you know, have been in that similar situation. And it might not just be about meditation. It might be just taking time to walk amongst greenery every day mm. or, you know, reserving that morning time for someone that's very special to you in your life, whether it be a, a child or your, your partner mm. um, and giving them your best. Um, so, you know, you, you're set to, to deal with the rest of the day. Um, so go back to the coach. The coach uh, is someone, has to be someone that resonates with you, someone that isn't afraid of calling things as they are and also guiding you and, and helping you and accepting that, that um, it just takes time. And, and like any sort of coach, if we go, go into sport or um, if you've got a good manager at work, they'll coach you well and they'll, they'll, they'll um, encourage you and, and leave you with development tools to become better at mm. it. And so that's, that's how a meditation coach should, you should think about uh, you know, a meditation coach's role in your life. Um, mm similar to that mm, yeah that's great um speaking of books the one that i wrote i read like recently i've just actually put down is a is a book called um atomic habits um and this is why habits and routine and stuff you know i feel like i'm obsessing it about it at the moment you know i'm in that phase of my life where you know trying to create good habits good routines that set me up for success but um there was a quote that jumped out at me and um, I'm not sure if you're aware of that book. It's a guy, guy called James Clear who wrote it, but um, he said, happiness is the absence of desire. And, you know, like it just, it, it, one of those, it was one of those, those things that I stopped reading immediately, put down the book and I just sort of pondered that and sort of stared out the window for a while and just sort of, just to, you know, again, just to sort of let that sink in. But, you know, if you've got any happiness is such a, I mean, it, it's a real buzz topic at the moment because we're all in this environment, which, you know, we're dealing with differently and, you know, different people have different ways of, of handling this COVID environment, lockdown, different, you know, whether you're, depending on the state, state that you're in is, is how much it's affecting you. But um, does that, what is that, you know, do you have any thoughts around that and, and, and you know, the, ha and the, 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 the chase, chasing happiness and, you know, if you've got any, any, anything to input there? Uh, I think that I don't entirely agree with that. Um, mm. I think it's, it's right in the moment of happiness, but you, you, you cannot not have desire. And so, and this is sometimes the thing that I kind of wrestle with around meditation is that it's okay to feel low. It's okay to feel average and it's great to feel great mm. and <laughs> you're not going to feel great all the time yeah and you're not going to suddenly get rid of your desires because some sometimes the greatest satisfaction comes from liberating your desires and and yeah. meeting them yeah. um and and that's that's the journey of life and accepting that so um and this is this is why the, the i suppose the form of meditation that i practice it's about accepting uh your mind running and not mm. trying to stop it yeah. and letting that react as a kind of a, a defragging or a kind of de-stressing um, mm. action and and that's slowly subsiding as it dissipates yeah. um and and you know we, we can't really fight that we're human mm. <laughs> I, and I think it would, 
you know, maybe a monk can deliver that, but that's all they do all day is, is meditate and they're devout to that. And we're not all in the privileged position where we can live like that. No, we? Certainly <laughs> not. No, no, totally. Um, mate, just to jump into a bit of work stuff, um, being a business podcast, but I do like, actually enjoy the, the meditation and the routine and that sort of stuff a bit more, to be honest. Um, well, they're intrinsically linked. So they are. They are. And, and that's what I love about it. And, and actually, that's kind of the premise of this podcast is, um, you know, that intrinsic link between people and, and who we are and what makes us people and how we, what we bring to our work and our careers. And, you know, um, I've always had this thought that, you know, around leadership, if, if, if it can be more about, you know, a coaching mindset where the businesses and organisations are going to be better off if, if, they're, if they're filled with those kind of leaders. Um, but look, talking specifically about Swiss, what is, can you just, and we're going to have to sort of rip through this because we don't have a huge amount of time, but um, building culture at Swiss, you know, it was obviously a great one. Um, and, you know, from an outsized perspective, I had, um, you know, bits and pieces of interactions with Swiss, um, you know, from, be it, you know, point of sale displays that I happened to be working for businesses that were supplying those at the time or um, going to the races and, you know, finding my way into the Swiss marquee. <laughs> um, you but, and many others. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> but um, can you just talk to me a little bit about what was at the forefront of your consciousness around building a culture at Swiss? The thing that would keep me up at night was how people felt about coming to work. Mm. And the bigger our organisation got, the more important that is. You can't be everywhere. And you really need people to be making good, sound decisions um, that are principle-driven or culture-driven mm -hmm. uh, without you. <laughs> and so, um, so it was a bit of an obsession of ours uh, as much as an obsession um, to, to most businesses as a business plan is, was our culture plan. Mm. And so we'd spend as much time working on our culture plan as our business plan. And then what would interweave with that was our communications plan. And I always use the example of my wife who says to me occasionally, you don't listen to me. And I, I sort of reflect and I go, well, yeah, maybe it takes about two or three times on certain <laughs> things for me to hear it. Yeah, and she's the one I love most in my life, and mm -hmm. and so you know at work they don't love you as much as your wife or that loved mm -hmm. one that I'm sure you all have in your life that said to you at one stage you know you don't listen. Mm -hmm. So you need to repeat yourself probably ten times in the work environment, <laughs> but you can't come across as a nag. So it's about signing up and agreeing to this comms plan that does reinforce the basics and the, the things that are essential for the success, which is culture. And culture should be the language and the determinant for making good decisions. Mm -hmm. And then the outcomes is the, the delivery of the business plan. Mm. Yeah. What, um, so much there I'd love to dive into, but um, what do you think, how intrinsic is the, is, or how, how, conscious were you about the link between culture and the strength of the brand and, you know, and, and, and how that translated to customers, you know, because culture is obviously a very direct line to the people and you get the people right. Ultimately, you know, you get the business right, but was there, were, were there constant and, and in, you know, in um, front of mind conversations around getting culture right will get us the scale and the size and the, and the success on the customer side. I think that 
everyone can copy a marketing activity and research it. Um, everyone can take your products in, in, in the vitamin category and most vitamins are generic. So anyone can access the same raw materials. Uh, anyone can kind of position the brand like we positioned it. You can choose our colors, can choose our packaging. But the one mm -hmm. thing that they couldn't emulate was our culture. It's mm -hmm. impossible to get a read on. And so when you're striving to be uh, an extraordinary place for people to come to and, and, and you know you have an impact um, and this is what would fulfill me most is when I talk to a partner or someone that had started at Swiss and three months on that day, they're just a completely different person. They're so much happier than they've ever been. And they're choosing positive language, language, constructive language. And, and you know, that that's gratifying. And so when you've got a team that are at their best, um, performing to an elite level and loving what they do, Greatness happens, and 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 I'd say that about anything in life. If it was anyone that was trying to be extraordinary at anything, like sport or or, or in the arts, the same applies in business. It's just a different uh, remedy. You know, a hundred meter runner might be a hundred meter runner, the best in the world for ten years, and they have to train and make huge sacrifices to be that. Mm. Um, and the same with a violinist in the orchestra in an orchestra. Um, However, it's only for a period of time and in business, it's probably a bit longer. Yeah, we've got to set ourselves out of and, and we've got to choose to be elite at what, what we do. And, and it needs to be something that feels like it's purpose driven and, and fulfills people. Um, and so that would, was our magic formula. That, that is what made our, our organisation what it was and is mm. and continues to be even without me there. Yeah, um, and that—that's how it should be, you know. For years on, uh, for the year after I left, it, it, it won best employer again, um, mm. which is fantastic. Yeah, and and speaking about that sort of handover, and you know, do you think business leaders and marketers, you know, we're in the context of COVID and and you know, people being more distributed, the workforce being more distributed than ever before. Um, you know, do they think that, do you think that they've got a unique challenge that needs a unique approach or do you think that it's the fundamentals that's actually going to pull them through this? I think that we have, we call it, we've, we've emptied the culture jar quite a bit uh, and drunk from it too much of late because, mm. you know, we, we're not having that human interaction. It's yeah. just, you can't replace that. All of these, all this technology are tools and, and they're great tools and, and making us more efficient and effective in the way we communicate. But just that, that sense of someone's being in the room is completely different. It's like listening to a, a CD or watching a DVD of a concert. It's never the same compared mm -hmm. to actually going and hearing that act live. Yeah. And, and so it's the same thing in the office. We, 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 we absolutely, it's absolutely essential. And it, it what it's that human interaction is is again what creates culture, and I believe cultures underpins great success. Mm. Um, yeah, totally. You can hold it up like we are at the moment with activities and so forth, and doing our best, but we're very cognizant of the fact we need to get back together. Mm. Thinking about that time that you were coming to the end of your time at Swiss and preparing for a you know a, such a massive sale um you know and such a you know of a huge number historically in australia too i'm really interested you know when we talk about that human side of business and then the humans within it we all have it um 
you know, what your insecurities, any insecurities that started creeping in around that or the vulnerabilities around, am I actually going to get this thing across the line? Is this going to come off the way that I plan it to come off? You know, is there anything that you reflect on, you know, about, about that time? I uh, reflect on a lot. There's probably three or four times I should have been fired over my uh, 12 odd years of journey. Um, so um, I probably reflect on those uh, more than any other. And, yeah. and thankfully that didn't really happen in the last sort of 18 months. And, and I'd gone, we'd gone through, we've been trying to sell the business for probably five years. Mm. Um, and, and so I'd probably gone through the exercise of failing in a sale process and going very close to losing my, my job. Um, and, yep. and so that, that created a whole lot of reflection and, and how do you do this better and how do you make sure that when we, when we do go at this again, everything is going right. And I listen intently and I do like to, uh, take on other people's ideas and make them my own yeah. <laughs> and yeah. do them, do them even better, take a whole lot of them and, yeah. and, and, and go into overdrive. And, and that's what certainly happened in that period. I mean, we went from. Um, having $70 million worth of debt to nine months later, play, paying down all the debt and on a run rate of $300 million profit. Um, so it was, it was an extraordinary turnaround. And I could see that coming for knowing of the fact that we'd been working on it for probably from that last failed sale process, which would have mm -hmm. been a good three years before mm -hmm. eventually getting it done. So um, you know, it just came like a steam train, and um, and as I say, the, the people were just extraordinary in in how they lifted and and brought their absolutely their absolute best, and and the culture enabled that to happen. Yeah, maybe as a maybe as a leader, it's a good sign that if you're not if you're not close to being fired a few times, you're not trying hard enough, you're not pushing hard enough. <laughs> You know, I think about it. Makes me, it makes me think about like the Google motto. You know, like at their business, where if they're not failing, you know, forty percent of the time, then they're not trying. They're not. They're not shooting high enough. Um, That's right. And and so you learn most from failure. We had a word for it, LGI, at, at in our workplace, learn, grow, improve moment. And yeah. and it was a bit dorky, so people would smile when when we got something wrong and so we could talk about it openly and become better. And it's really important for me as a leader to mm. embrace that and regularly talk about how I'd stuffed up to our team. And I was just going to say that, was that a, was that a company wide or, you know, as wise it could be for you as the CEO, was that communication raw and honest and I've stuffed up here and then my job's on the line, you know? Yeah, absolutely. Mm. And, um, and, and we'll talk about how, you know, I've got to, I need, I need our team to get around me and help us get through this. Mm -hmm. These are the decisions that I've made that were an issue. And I need you guys to be just as honest about some of the decisions you've made mm -hmm. um, that, that have jeopardized our journey. And, and it, those are the people that are bravest and, and, and will be there with you um, solving challenges. Cause we are going to get stuff wrong. That's just human nature and that's okay. Absolutely. That's how we um, learn and turn things around from mm. that experience. So fast forwarding, I'm not sure how much time between Swiss and where you're at now, but talking about Light Warrior, um, is there a reason behind the name, by the way? It's what my wife said to me when she first fell in love with me. So I thought that was a pretty right. cool name, Light Warrior. Right. And then we have Light Folk, which is our foundation. So we're the 
warriors bringing light to the world and how we go about um, capitalism or running businesses. And, and then we provide for the good folk who also bring light to the world but are, are less focused on commercial activity. Beautiful. So um, impact and purpose, uh, you know, and I know, I, I know a little bit, you know, basically, basically what I've read about light warrior, which is why I'm, I'm loving the opportunity to ask you directly, but impact and purpose feel really important to the, to the business and to what you do. How, how does in, how does that impact your investment decisions? Like on a, on a day to day, or can you sort of frame how that's conscious for you when you're making decisions around investment? Well, uh, we've set up an, an, an impact fund um, and that that's focused on, you know, making social impact but not being afraid of making profit from it mm. <laughs> capitalism should be focused on good yeah and and so that that's invested in things like disability housing affordable housing affordable aged care uh social bonds that are helping um uh, keep first nation kids in school uh through to um keeping uh people that are have been deemed unemployable employed um, through mentoring programs, and so working with the government to fix issues, um, with with a focus on on making sure we do it more efficiently, effectively than say a government could, which is what business is set up to do. Mm. Um, and then getting super funds or you know, big foundations to co-invest with us yeah. um, on these initiatives. So we turn this kind of whole engine room of finance. You know, we've got the the, the fourth largest sovereign wealth fund in the world um mm. through superannuation and wouldn't it be fantastic if all those funds were focused on act on activities that made a, a, a massive social difference like we, we've just talked about mm. um solar is another one we do as well and so so that that's a a vision is to to use capitalism for good i think that there's a lot of good that goes on in capitalism um and yeah there's there's some bad and the bad gets a lot of airtime. But if, if you can imagine if everyone felt extraordinary about the workplace they worked in, how much better society would be. Um, as I said, I had these people that lived with these people that have become completely different people as a result of working in a great culture. Mm -hmm. So it doesn't have to be just about what the organisation does, um, but it's the fundamentals of us have been leaders in a business. It's our responsibility to provide an extraordinary workplace for people to be part of. So yeah, an investment decision is around those parameters. Can we, can we create? An, are, are the partners uh, excited about creating an extraordinary workplace? And then purpose becomes pretty straightforward. Um, and and then success, most of the time, goes with it. Mm. How do you filter when you're? Maybe this is a bit about explaining what the process is to engage with businesses that you're looking to invest in and um and grow but how do you what's what process do you go to to identify that you're talking with a company with the right people that have the same value set as you that you're that are going to you know live that purpose and you know social driven values i think the essential part is to make sure that you're smart money and that your money going in is going to make a difference to that organization and you're mm. going to work with them and you're part of uh, that decision-making. So we need to add value. And the, I suppose the areas we add value are 
from a consumer point of view, um, consumer brands and health and wellness. And then on the other side is the banking and then impact um, focus as a result of that. So, so that's our remit. We don't pretend to be anything outside of that. And so when we do, uh, if, if, if someone comes to us with a great tech idea, it's not for us. We've got funds we've invested in. They're great people that run those funds and that's for them and we, we introduce them to them. Mm. Um, and, and yes, there's some tech in the businesses we've invested in, but they're not pure tech players because that's not our experience. So yeah. it's knowing your strengths and weaknesses and what you can add in terms of value to a business. And, and that, that then creates great culture because everyone's doing their part. Mm. Have there ever been times where people are surprised because it didn't tick the box for you about that you thought that these people had, you know, good intent, intent, um, intentions around creating value and, and social change. Have you ever walked away from investments because you didn't feel right, you know, and has that been surprising to anyone? We say no more, many more times than yes. <laughs> mm. um, and, yeah, look, I think that if you're really clear on what, why you do stuff and, and, and how you, you know, what's your prerogative in the way you invest, and, you know, there's quite a few boxes we need to tick, uh, mm. tick um, it's pretty clear. Um, and, and, and so there wouldn't be people surprised once they go through our criteria. Mm. Yeah. Um, what do you look for? What do you look for in a leader? I think number one is they're personable and you, you get on with them and they're yeah. able to get on with people. Um, and, and they are, they are quick to communicate. Um, and, and they, they love to innovate and, um, and challenge and have, have um, hard conversations when necessary mm. and love what they do. It's, it's, it's a joy, the work they're doing, something they're passionate about and love. Have you seen a change in those traits of a leader over your career? You know, um, I, I constantly refer to the Simon Sinek talk he did around empathy and leadership you know the, the basis of leadership needing to be around empathy you know but he talks in that around he talks about the change in the business objectives from the 70s and 80s and 90s um you know being about shareholder value proposition you know and leadership was created in order to make that work where we're in this shifting times now where that style of leadership is not good for the people and it's not good for the businesses and organizations. Have you seen a change? Have you been, have you experienced, you know, seeing leaders that uh, of that old school mentality and, and, you know, and what is now demanded of a leader, have you seen that change physically? Oh, it's, it's a massive change. And, you know, what I talk about in, in terms of what we do did at Swiss back in, you know, 2008 uh, is is now the norm in 2020 mm. um, for a lot of organisations, and I'm lucky enough to be part of the B team, which has some of the the CEOs of some of the largest companies in Australia. Um, we interact with a lot of other uh, leaders and chairmen um, of other businesses through that auspice, and and you know, we're also part of the Climate Leaders Coalition, and and that has 22 of some of the biggest um, company leaders in this country 
all working towards a cause. And and so, yeah, I, I think there's been a massive shift. It's no longer acceptable and the people have demanded that. And so I think the last part to catch up is now government. And, and we need government to embrace this and, and incentivise organisations to to create great cultures, to be great workplaces. And, and that, that'll be the final piece, you know, and that's when society will start to be better than what it is. And that's how we'll protect this wondrous thing we've got, capitalism, because the, the second alternative ain't too great in, 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 um, in, in a dictatorship. Um, and I haven't seen any other models that are kind of spread up across the world that have been as successful as a, either dictatorship or democracy. Um, so I like our freedoms. Absolutely. And so I want to protect what we've got and make it better. And mm -hmm. so we need government working with us to enhance not just financial tax returns and so forth, but aim those KPIs around doing better and, and creating purpose in organisations and creating great culture. Mm. And, and we'll see massive change in society. Is this is that is that the intent of the B team? You know, is that what you know? Is that what they're what you're trying to achieve as business leaders and chairman and CEOs? You know, you're trying to create change and get on board with that change, which can then influence government. Yeah, I think that the fact is that Plan A isn't working, and Plan B, we need a Plan B. Um, and a plan B built around a system that is around share value rather than just shareholders. Um, and, and so, uh, and anyone I talk to in business is up for this in this day and age, we get it. Yeah. And so we, need, we now need government to stop shouting at each other in, in question time. Uh, it wouldn't happen in any other workplace like that. <laughs> and start working collaboratively together yeah. um, and, and, and solving some of the bigger issues that we face as well as a world beautiful radic thank you so much for your time mate it's been a fascinating chat i hope we uh get to do it again in future at some point thank you Mike. good man Catch cheers up. mate see ya